Good morning, church. It's, um, it's always good to be here. And when I'm here, I always want uh, to let you guys know me. So I love sharing my, my stories. Uh, this morning, I want to tell you about the time I got robbed. Guys, this is South Africa. I'm sure that I'm talking to people that know what I'm talking about. So, back in another life, as a student on the university campus, I stayed off campus. And I was walking home with a friend of mine, and as we were walking, just the two of us, it was like it, um, after late afternoon, so it was, not, it, was not, it was not at night, the sun was out, everybody could see us, and we were walking home with this friend of mine. As we were walking, these three guys approach us. They looked like rough men, like scary guys. They approach us, and the one guy takes out a knife, and he points it at us, and he's holding the knife uh, at, our, at our faces, and he says, give me your money and your cell phones, right? Not, not the Senzo Meiwa trial stuff. Some, some people got it. So, so they take out the knife, and they point the knife at us, and they're telling us that they want our cell phones and the things that we have. And at that moment, I realized and I knew what being powerless felt like. Because when somebody has a weapon and they hold it against you and they tell you that you must give them what they want, there is nothing you can do if you don't have a weapon to protect yourself. So I stood there afraid and then they told us to, to raise our hands. So we raised our hands and they started searching us and it was, man, I was violated. It, it, oh, no, it was so unfair. But I was powerless and there was nothing I could do. Then we gave them the, the money that we had and stuff, and then they, they left. But I'm pretty sure that as I'm sharing this, you are remembering the times when you were made to feel powerless. Where maybe you were robbed at gunpoint in your own home. Where people came to your home and they took stuff and there was nothing you could do. Maybe as I'm sharing, you're, remi you're reminded of the times when you were in the doctor's room and they gave you a diagnosis and they told you that you have an illness that is terminal. Or maybe you know your loved one recently was told that there's a sickness that's in their body and there's nothing that the doctors can do. So I'm pretty sure that you and I know what it feels like to be powerless, right? For those of you that don't know what it feels like to be powerless, don't worry, you live in South Africa. In the next couple of hours, you are going to know. <laughs> I had to do that. I had to do that. But, but, but we know, we know what it feels like to be powerless. We, we all come across situations when there's nothing that we can do. This morning, as we continue reading through the book of Acts, I want to read through a story where a guy is in prison. And all expectation from us is that he is powerless. But we see something different. So please, let's open our Bibles to Acts 12, from verse 1. We're going to actually read quite a lot of Bible today. From now, we're going to read from Acts 1 to 6. So here's what it says. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. Peter. 
This was during the day of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison and delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending that after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves this morning and we come before your face and we acknowledge that there are, there are prisons around us, Lord. Some of us are in prison right now. Some of us see other people in prison right now, Lord. Whether these are mental prisons, physical prisons, emotional prisons, Lord, we, we, we are guarded people that can't break out. So this morning, Father, we are asking for you to come break us out. We are asking that you would break us out of the prisons that hold us back. Father, I thank you that at the preaching of your word, at the reading of your word, we are transformed. So, Father, I pray that this morning as your word is preached, you would give us the grace to apply your word. In your wonderful name, amen. I want you to notice the characters in this story. On the one side, we have King Herod. King Herod has absolute power and authority to dictate what happens in the life of the Christians. He is a leader, he is a king, and because he is a king, he has absolute power. The power that he has, he derives it from the people that he is leading. The Jewish people at that time, who did not like the Christians, are saying to Herod, Herod, we want you to do that, we want you to, to prosecute those people. King Herod has the power to prosecute them. Not only does he have the power to prosecute them, he realizes that the more he, prosecute, the more he prosecutes them, the people that, are, that he is leading are happy and is growing in popularity. So it is good for him to prosecute the Christians. So on the one side, we've got Herod, we've got the people that Herod is leading. But within that group, there's also soldiers. The soldiers serve at the pleasure of the king. They do whatever the king says. So if the king says, go arrest that guy, the soldiers will go arrest him. If the king says, go guard that person, the soldiers will go guard that person. So that's what we have on this one side. We've got Herod the king with absolute power and authority. On the other side, the characters that are introduced here, you've got the church. Church is literally just raising up prayers to God and saying, God, intervene. Then you've got James. All we know about James is that he is killed at the sword. Herod declares that James should be killed, and he is killed. And in the middle of these powers is Peter. In the middle of these two Spurred, but Peter is in the middle. Friends, it's tough for me to say this, but I want you to notice that there's nothing that Peter can do. Literally. His life is in the hands of two opposing groups. 
Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I am powerless right now? For some of you, you know you are very good at your job. You are one of the best people at your work, but your boss doesn't like you. And because of that, whatever you do, you know that there's no way that you're going to be promoted within that space. I mentioned earlier, for some of you, you've gone to the doctor and the doctor has stood in front of you and they've said, this illness is terminal. And there is nothing in of yourself that you can do. There are two powers. On the one hand, King Herod is declaring that I have authority over your life. That's what he's saying to Peter. Peter, we are going to kill you and there is nothing you can do about it. You can imagine Peter's looking at this and he's going... In actual fact, this guy is right. I can't escape. Now, let me tell you about what's happening in Peter's soul as well. Do you notice it's James, the brother of John, who got killed? Now, who's James, the brother of John? James, the brother of John, is Peter's friend who spread the gospel all over the world together, so they had mutual dreams. There were close friends that were walking together. There were close friends that were reminding each other, spurring each other on and saying, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. And James is killed. So Peter is not just in prison, in a physical prison. He's also in an emotional prison where he's dealing with loss. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, you can say yes. It's real life, right? Peter is stuck in this space is dealing with loss but not only is he dealing with loss he's realizing that there are two powers there are two powers that are trying to dictate what happens to him now notice what scripture says about peter this is very interesting in in verse 6 now, Herod, now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. I've read that verse over and over again, and it just doesn't make sense. Because I know me, and I know when I'm stressed. When I'm stressed, I don't sleep. When I'm stressed, I don't eat. When I'm stressed, my mind is anxious, running over time, but Peter is sleeping. So why is he sleeping? Let me remind you about Peter. Peter, this one time, him and his, his friend, uh, James, the brother of John and the other disciples, they are on a boat that's, that's being rocked by waves and they're about to die. And Peter with his friends, they're like, they go wake up Jesus who is deep in sleep. And guess what they say to him? They say, Jesus, don't you care that we are about to die? But Jesus is sleeping. Jesus wakes up. He rebukes the storm. He rebukes them as well for not having faith. And Peter sees that. Later on, you know the story. The night that Jesus was crucified, Peter is asked, hey, do you know Jesus? And, G and Peter is scared to be killed. And he says, I don't know that guy. I've never seen him. That same Peter, that same Peter that we know he's afraid of dying, we know that Peter is afraid of dying, we know him, yet here when we find him, he is sleeping. What's changed? What's changed? I'll tell you what's changed. Peter has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Peter has been filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a difference between a person who's been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit touches you, he changes you. Peter's not the same anymore. He's not that same Peter that we meet who's on that boat afraid. He's not that same Peter who was afraid when he, when he rejected Christ three times that time. He is a new Peter. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. As you said there, just know this. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are changed. Maturity is you coming to the realization that you are filled with the power of God. There's no need for you to be afraid. So Peter falls asleep. But Peter is still aware that there is nothing he can do. So let's see what happens. Open your Bibles, your phones. And we're going to read from verse 7. Uh, this is... And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and, pu and put on your sandals. And he did so. I mean, I'm just going to keep reading, so follow with me if you're reading on your Bible. And he did so, and he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all, the Jewish people, uh, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhonda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. When they opened, they saw him. And they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Story is very clear. Peter is in prison. An angel appears in the prison. The angel says to Peter, get up. Peter gets up. The angel says to Peter, put on your cloak, your, your cloak, walk out, follow me. Peter follows the angel. Peter is not sure whether he is dreaming or this thing is happening in real life, but he keeps following. Peter eventually comes to a space where he realizes that as he was following, it was actually happening for real. And then when he realizes that it was happening for real, he goes to tell the other Christians. So there are three moves there are three moves that Peter makes here. 
And I believe that these are the moves that we ought to constantly make whenever we feel stuck in, whenever we feel like we are in prison, whenever we feel like there's no way out. There are three moves. And as we do these three moves, we are going to see the glory of God around us. The first move that Peter makes is that he gets up. He gets up. Well, getting up is very simple, right? If I said get up right now, all of you would be able to get up. But maybe getting up is not that simple. Maybe getting up is not that simple. Maybe imagine yourself saying to someone who's been on a wheelchair their whole life, get up. Do you realize that you're asking them to do the impossible? Imagine yourself saying to someone who is bound by two chains, who has two guards guarding him at that moment, saying to that person, get up. Do you realize that you're saying to a person who has no power within themselves to get up to do something that they don't have power to do? Friends, do you agree with me that that's impossible and that cannot happen? So how does Peter get up in this moment? I'll tell you why. Peter is able to get up in this moment because it is not the word of man that is telling him to get up. It is the word of heaven. When heaven releases a word over your situation, that word creates the ability in you to do that which you could not have done before. When the angel speaks, the angel is not speaking on his own accord. The angel is speaking begged by heaven. So when the angel says, Peter, get up, the chains fall off. When God releases a word over you, that word empowers you to do that which you could not do before. When God says you are healed, you are healed. When God says you are set free, you are set free. It does not matter what you believe. It does not matter what you've been through. The word of God, as it's released over you, it empowers you to do that which you couldn't do before. So what's the call of God on our lives? When we find ourselves in prison, What's the call of God for us when we find ourselves in tough situation? We need to go find the word of God. I love this word. I love it. In tough seasons, I have it right next to me. But I also love the supernatural word that's released over me in tough seasons. That's the power of prophetic words. Oh, guys, don't, don't take them lightly. Don't take it lightly that, the, that there's someone who can come release a prophetic word over you because there's a prophetic word that as it's released, it sets you loose to go do the things that God has called you to do. So the first move, notice it is God who tells you to get up. And as soon as God tells you to get up, don't second guess it. Don't second guess it. Don't, don't go... Was that, was that him? Was it? No. God's word over you is always get up and go. God's word over you is always get up. The second thing that Peter does is that he followed. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea what the angel was do, what, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Notice, get up, Walk out. Follow the angel. But Peter is not sure that what's happening is really happening. How many of you are not sure that what's happening is really happening? How many of you are not sure that God has really set you free? 
Notice Peter doesn't stand, doesn't sit down and say, okay, let, 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 let's have a biblical study on whether I am free or not. He doesn't sit down and, and, and have a meeting to figure out if God is going to do it or not. He just keeps following, even though he is not sure in his mind if this is real. Friends, we are called to obey. We are not called to obey because we fully understand. We are called to obey because we fully trust. So when he calls us and he says, follow me, we follow. When he says, you are out of that prison. When he says to you, that business you started didn't work out, start, start another one. You're like, but that one didn't start, didn't go well. Do it again. Is it not his word? You do it again. When he says, move, you move. And then you're telling, but it doesn't make sense, God. But, but you don't understand. God, God, okay, let's sit down, God. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a meeting. Let, let me explain to you how the world, no, that's not what Peter is doing. Something else that Peter is doing is that he's receiving instructions. He's receiving instructions. He's told to get up, put on a clock. Friends, let's be people that listen and walk in obedience to the word of God. That's how we get out of prison. There's this like narrow path. There's this narrow path. And as you listen to God, as you listen to the voice of the Lord saying, turn left, turn right, you know, like your GPS. As you do that, you'll find yourself on the other side. Notice what the scripture says. It says, Peter comes to himself, and then he realizes that this is actually happening for real. He comes to himself, and then he realizes that this, that which he thought was a dream, this, that which he thought was a vision, is actually happening. Friends, that's your story. Your story is that you know where you're going. You're, well, you do know where you're going because God has called you. Your story is, th- is not that you know everything. Your story is that as you continue walking with him, he's going to reveal more. He's going to reveal more. He's going to reveal more. And as you keep walking with him, he's going to show you more. So Peter now is aware of what's happened. There are three moves. Spoken about the first move. Get up. Follow. Get up. Follow. It's very simple. All we are told to do is we are told to get up from our tough situations, but we get up as the word of God is released. Again, I say this, for anyone in a tough situation, if you don't know that the word of God has been released over you, I'm releasing it right now. Get up. And as you get up, and you keep following him, there's the third move that Peter does. The third move that Peter does is that he tells others. He tells others. says, Peter motioned with his hand, for them the Lord had brought him out of prison. How many of you have been set out of prison by God? How many of you are aware that there are people that need to hear your story? How many of you are aware that as you share your story, as you tell other people that you've been set out of prison, you are giving them the freedom to believe that they can also be set free? I love movies. I love movies. And most movies have a, have a three-act structure in storytelling. They've got act one, act two, act three. In act one, 
you're introduced to the characters. There's exposition that's done. You are told who the characters are, what their motivations are. And then in Act 2, a conflict is created. The, the story goes like this. The character, the, 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 the person you care about, has, the, the story goes like this. The character, the, 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 the person you care about has a problem that they're trying to resolve. And just before the resolution of that problem, they face a problem that they cannot resolve at all. In, in, in the movies I like, you'll find that that character is stuck in a, in a prison-like thing where the walls are closing in from both sides, from the top, from the bottom, from every side, and there's no way he can get out of it. For those of you who've watched Star Wars, right? In racing movies, you'll find that when it's that last lap, the car just breaks down. And the main character has to start from the beginning again. In action movies, you'll find that the, the main character is now surrounded by over 300 uh, soldiers and he's got one gun, one bullet left. He's got one gun, one bullet left. But somehow, somehow he makes it out of there. They always make it out. We are wired to believe for hope. We are wired to believe that we can make it out. We have the greatest hope story ever told. Our own lives. So as we go out and we tell people, we say to people, listen, I know you suspend your belief when you sit in a cinema and watch that story. Let me tell you a real story. Let me tell you how when I was in a prison, God set me out. I told you there are two powers here. Herod, the king, makes a determination that Peter should be arrested and be killed. The church on the other side stands up and they say, we are going to pray. Friends, there will be moments when there is nothing you can do where you have no strength in of yourself and you are going to need other people. Two weeks ago, I had a really rough day. I had a bad day. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm underplaying that. I had a really bad day. I remember I was on a, on a call with a, with a friend and I'm just crying. I'm on the floor just crying. I can't get up. My wife is worried about me. She's just... Uh, she keeps opening the door going, are you going to be okay? <laughs> and I'm on the floor just crying, speaking to this friend on the phone. And he says this, he says, Rada, just win for today. Just get up and win for today. So I get up, I'm thinking, how can I win for today? I have some work to do, but I have no strength in me to do it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I have no strength to do anything. So I get up and I process, how can I get a win today that's going to bring me back to where I need to be? I call a friend of mine. He's a, he's a great guy. When I hang with him, we'll talk about nothing and I'll come back to life. So I call him and I ask him, hey, are you available to meet up? Just give me an hour of your time. 
But when I come there, don't ask me what's wrong. Let's just talk about nothing. So I call him, I go meet up with him. And we sit down and we, I'm looking for comfort food, you know, because we are all different. The Lord, is, the Lord is bringing out of different prisons. So I get chips and I'm, I'm eating slap chips. And we are just talking about random things. I think at that point we were talking about the, like, whether, whether we were talking about like old church, new church, like random things. And in the middle of that conversation, he starts talking about vision. He starts talking about the things that he wants to do. He starts talking about the things that he's believing for. Man, as he's speaking, my heart starts burning. I get reminded that I'm a man on a mission. I get reminded that I am a man on a mission. There's something that I was put on this earth to do, and I've forgotten that my problems were many that morning. All because I sat with another believer. Friends, notice there is nothing Peter can do, but there's everything that the gathered church can do. The gathered church decided that they had greater authority than Herod. Their greater authority was that they could appeal to him who is greater than all that is in creation. Their greater authority was that they could appeal to, to him who every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Their greater authority comes from the realization that we can come before God and we can petition him. And when we petition him, he will send the angels. <laughs> Friends, if you're sitting here this morning, I want you to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. You are surrounded by the gathered church. When we speak about connect groups, when we speak about small groups, this is what we are talking about. We're talking about people that will pick you up when you can't pick yourself up. We're talking about people that are going to petition on your behalf when you cannot pray anymore. But friends, I don't, I don't want you to lose sight of this one great idea here. Two powers. Herod, the gathered church. But above all of that, one true power. One who created everything. One who owns and controls everything. Our Father God. Let's stand up and pray. I'm going to ask that we take this moment. There's something that we all, I always do on campus to show the students something. I want to do it here. I'm going to ask you to hold the hands of the people next to you. I'd go, help, I'd go hold Renani's hands, but I think he needs them. <laughs> but if you're holding someone's hand and you know, you know deep in your heart that you need people praying for you. You need people walking with you. You need people that walk alongside you, that encourage you when you're down. If that's you, I want you to squeeze the hand of the person that you're holding. Squeeze it. Squeeze it tight. They must feel that squeeze. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you, if you were squeezed, raise your hand. 
I'm going to ask, keep it up, keep your hand up, don't, don't put it down. Let go, let go, sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. I want you to look around. Make sure you see. Friends, we need each other. We need each other. I'm going to ask us to hold hands again. Let's begin to pray for breakthrough for the people's hands that we are holding. Let's begin to pray. You don't know what breakthrough they need. You don't know what they're going through, but begin to pray that right now in this moment there's going to be great breakthrough. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in this moment you are releasing breakthrough. In this moment you're releasing us from prisons. In this moment you're setting us free. In this moment you are, you are reminding us that we are not alone. In this moment you are sending angels and our chains are falling off. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your grace your anointing, your power that's in this room. I thank you that when the God, the church prays, you move. Heavenly Father, I pray that in this room, we would be found to be free. We would be set free. Heavenly Father, we just bring everybody who's sick right now and, and there's, a, there's an illness in their body. We pray for that illness to be healed right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just pray for anybody who feels like they're in bondage right now. We just declare freedom over them, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask this question. There comes a moment when you realize that, man, I need to walk with God. There comes a moment when you realize that I've not been walking with God. So if you're here and you've not been walking with God, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I ask you to save me. I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of saving. And I ask you to save me. In the mighty, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. If you, paid the, if you prayed that prayer, please come see me after the service. I'll be standing right here. And I'll hand over to Pastor Carol. Lord Jesus, we say yes. Lord God, when we get, we're going to get up. We're going to follow you. We're going to be committed to the body. Lord God, we're going to allow you to set us free in every way. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen and amen and amen.